0: yeah guy yeah guy david lee scales scott bass with you it is spit we're spitballing shit's forming in my cheeks right now i'm getting it together i'm gonna lay a luggy out on the black asphalt disgusting thank you thank you for that uh lovely musical intro though that is my new favorite doc watson summertime it was very uh soothing
1: what a wonderful way to start the show
0: Yeah, have you? So I'm on episode two of the Ken Burns country music documentary on PBS. It's pretty cool. I haven't started it yet. Just like you said, it's 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 like okay, here we go. (laughs) We're going into Ken Burns world. Did you listen to him on Recode? No. I think she did an episode. I'm sure she did. He he probably did the rounds. I'll have to check it out.
1: She um, puts out a lot of content, so I can't really keep up. You know, I've gotten to the point where I'm just cherry picking it now.
0: Yeah, I'm. I've been listening to a lot of it. I'm a big fan for sure. Um, I like it because she doesn't. Because look, she's Kara Swisher's a. I don't think she would argue that she's a progressive liberal, but she gets such great guests on, and she keeps it pretty fair. You think so? I mean, for as, as fair as she can. Yeah. That guy you were just listening to is a former uh, Trump executive.
1: Oh, is that? That wasn't what, that wasn't recode though, was it? Yeah, that was recode. I didn't recognize her voice. Yeah. Oh, Oh, that's
0: because I do it at a 1.5. I listen to all my podcasts at 1.5 speed. Do you really? Yeah.
1: You don't do that? I feel like she's already at 1.5.
0: By the way, all of our listeners should listen to these podcasts at 1.5 speed. They're way faster (laughs) and they're better. I think they're better. I mean, you can just take in way more content quicker.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't know if my brain processes fast enough to absorb it all. Yeah. I'll, I'll try yeah that's funny though that I didn't even recognize her voice because of that yeah um so one thing that we should follow up on if we're gonna be talking about music right now and documentary yeah did you watch echo in the canyon yet no it's available on netflix oh, now okay good. they just Thanks made it available talking. for streaming okay
0: killer it's I'm, it's not it good? good it's not good
1: dude I had such high hopes all of the advertising looks amazing and the, the guests that they got or the people that they feature and interview it in it um are a-listers you know Hmm. so for listeners. it was good somebody saw it dude it just wasn't like it's basically jacob dylan uh it's the jacob dylan show Uh, and like jacob dylan i i almost hate to spoil it and give you an impression of it Uh, before you you form your
0: own but i mean i'm not going to watch it if you tell me not to watch it though
1: you got to give it a chance yeah and then you can form your own opinion okay, but
0: maybe give me your opinion on
1: it. I want to hear you. Jacob opinion. Dylan is so unaffected. Like he is the ultimate cool guy. He stands there just looking condescendingly at whoever's talking and it'll be like David Crosby and Steven Stills and like all these A-listers and they'll tell like a really funny good story and he won't even crack a smile. He'll just be like, "Hmm." He'll just nod politely and he's looking down his nose at I'm wearing like a cool leather jacket. That's lame. He's so lame. Is
0: it it insincere? Is it just like... Dude, it's
1: shocking how cool the guy thinks he is. And the other thing is, if you're producing a documentary...
0: You want to be giving to your subjects.
1: And you also don't need to be on camera. Like, they could just have the talking heads referring to a producer off screen. But the fact that Dylan's even in... All of the shots oh, standing side by side.
0: Yeah, that tells you a lot. With
1: cutaways to him being unaffected by their amazing oh, story God. that they're telling, yeah. it really drags the whole thing down. And then he'll cut. They'll uh, part of the documentary is him covering music from this era of Laurel Canyon uh, with modern musicians like he'll ha- he'll get um, Cat Power, Regina Spektor, these famous modern singers to do duets with and stuff. So they'll be talking about a particular song and then cut to him on stage singing that song, like their own version of it. But it's like, I don't know, you're doing basically a mediocre version of this epic song that we all know and love. It really just feels like Jacob Dylan kind of masturbating in front of all of us. Wow,
0: that's that's pretty telling. Yeah. I like your, um, that's a great way to put it, you know?
1: That's what it felt like to me. But... Like you, I know this would
0: be the greatest if your review could run in like Variety magazine. I think there's so much truth. Like you're just being honest. That's yeah. just the way you felt about it. It was and mas- I, trust you, I trust your. I trust your opinions. You know, and so could you imagine if the, the headline of Variety magazine? Oh my God! Jacob Dylan Jack Session. <laughs> no, Jacob Dylan's Masturbation Canyon. <laughs> Dude, the oh, thing is, I love You know I love Bob Dylan I know And I and I wanted to love this badly If you love Bob Dylan, you're going to love Doc Watson Because that's who Bob Dylan loved Doc So Watson. did you find Doc Watson based on uh, the, the documentary? No, you like know theater. what? I found Doc Watson before I was at this I think I told you, I was invited to play music with these people and In fact, one of the ladies was like You gotta watch Echoes mm-hmm. in the Canyon and one of the guys is a super cool guy. His name's Todd. And he's a filmmaker from Santa Cruz. And he's on the board of directors with Surf Aid, And he's a guitar player. And we were jamming. We were having a little noodle. And he's like, dude, you should listen to Doc Watson. And I'm like, who's he? I didn't even know. I'm such a kook. I'm like, and he's like, you don't know who Doc Watson is? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, he's the guy that all of the radical folk guys looked up to, you know, back in the 60s or whatever. So anyway, that's who turned me on to Doc Watson was my friend Todd. Hanson from Santa Cruz.
1: Okay, yeah. Somehow I'm unaware of Doc Watson. I think too. that's his
0: last name, Hanson. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think of when I think of the guys that uh, informed that folk movement. I think Woody Guthrie, of course, is yes. someone that Dylan always references.
0: I'm um, just getting into Woody Guthrie, he just starts in in, in episode two. They okay, start to talk
1: about him. Okay, I do definitely need to watch that. How do you feel about Robert Johnson selling his soul to the devil
0: down at the crossroads and that whole lore? Well, that's more of kind of a blues story, but I, I mean, do I think it's real? Yeah. Do I think the devil appeared and said, I'll give you a a record contract if you, I don't believe that. No? No, I don't believe that the devil physically manifested himself. And I think it's a great analogy. Why, where did Robert Johnson,
1: where did Robert Johnson go for that weekend? And how did he come
0: back? Such a profound talent. You know what? I don't know. These are great questions. I don't seriously know too much. About, I thought it was always just a metaphor. I didn't know that this actually occurred. Yeah, he was Robert Johnson. <laughs> why are you laughing at me? I'm just blown away. I was there. Like I'm learning. I'm learning new shit all the time. Who knew? I was there. I thought You're... it was just like you know, like don't sell
1: out. No, dude. Robert Johnson was like. So wait, he wanted, went to a
0: crossroads. Wanted with his to be
1: prior to that, he wanted to be a musician, and he always had a guitar and he would tried to play it. And everybody knew, like that's what his desire was. He just wasn't very good, you know. He'd always practice, but just everybody knew he wasn't very good. He disappears for a weekend, comes back, and he's this profound talent, just like the best guitar blues player ever. And everybody goes, "What the heck happened? Like, how'd you learn so quickly? You were terrible on Friday. You're amazing on Monday." And he goes, well, I went down to the crossroads. I was down, at the, like, hitchhiking or something. And um, the devil appro- appeared and approached and made a deal with me. I sold my soul to the devil for the gift of guitar. What did the devil guitar? get? Just his his soul. soul at the age of 27. Mm-hmm. So that is why. And it turns out that now the lore. Oh, this is all a, these people die at age 27? Yes. Like, so the lore is that all these... Uh, kind of iconic, not just musicians, but iconic musicians have yeah. still been paying Robert Johnson's debt to the devil at the age of 27. And so we're talking
0: like Kurt Cobain, Jamie Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Joplin, Amy Winehouse, Jim Morrison. Yeah. yeah. There's like a giant <laughs> list. Sounds like the craziest conspiracy theory ever. Or is or so crazy it's true. <laughs> Here's what I do know. That occasionally guitar players can have major breakthroughs. And they're their level of guitar ability can just get way better with one of these breakthroughs mm-hmm. and it could just be that he had a breakthrough like he met some guy that's like dude just do this <laughs> like here's how you're gonna do the turnaround on these songs you know here's your bridge do this for the bridge and all of a sudden he's like oh i can connect them mm-hmm. connect the chords who knew <laughs> <laughs> who knew it one four five wow thank you very much and you know he had a cup of coffee with the guy and he's like and then all of a sudden he sounds way better because I mean, how much better could he have... Like, he's not that great. He's not Jimi Hendrix. He's just connecting one, four, or five chords with a turnaround. Fair enough. Then why, did
1: it, why is everybody
0: dying at 27? Because um, they're not. There's just... When you look at the swath of the of guitar players or a swath of musicians or luminary types, there are many great ones that didn't die at 27. Like, how do you explain them? How do you explain Eric Clapton didn't die at 27? Uh, How do you explain all these people that didn't die at 27? So what I'm saying is the ones that did die at 27, random conspiracy. When you take drugs, you die. No, because Clapton did a ton of drugs. Yeah, that's my point. He didn't die. Right, exactly. Thank you. You made my point. Well, it's a different point. Keith Richards. Yeah. My point is is that if you get 1,000 people, yeah, 5 of them are going to die at the age of 27. 10 of them are going to die at the age of 28. Right. I but
1: if the devil collected everybody's soul, then it would be problematic. And then I think like there'd be a real
0: battle. How does the devil collect a soul? Like how does this? How does this? Ask Robert Johnson. How does this literally? How old was Robert Johnson when he died? Twenty-seven. That's uh, the point. That's, that's, where that's where this all started. Gotcha.
1: Um, so let me ask you this: Why is it though? You believe in God? Yes. And you're Christian. Yes. Then why? Then it would stand to reason that the devil does exist,
0: and the devil could broker such deals. Um. Well, I believe that, that God is love. And I believe that, um, you know, I, I, first of all, I don't know. Like, that's the beauty of, I, I don't know. Hmm. I'm, I'm not the expert. All but I know you... is I have faith in a higher power. I choose to call it God. And it's my personal thing. And it's really nobody's business. And I'm not here to sell it or to tell it. But it would stand a reason with that belief system that the no, devil. No, could you don't exist. know my belief system. That's just it. You think that I have this like Judeo-Christian like Bible literal literal um, reading of the Bible thing, which I keep it really simple. Love people, but okay, and everything happens in God's world a, by If
1: there's a love first. system, yeah. isn't there a counterpoint to that that would be yeah, an hate. evil system? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hate, so he could be brokering deals. Who, whoever that is.
0: Hate? Yeah. Hate? The hate, hate system. personified? You mean President Trump? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, dude. We covered no. religion and oh, politics already in the first worst. 10 minutes. you know how many emails I'm going to get? People are going to hate on me so hard. That's that, okay. That's I'm my point.
1: I get you to tell your beliefs and I never share yeah, mine yeah, so that, that you get the emails. You cash the checks and I do <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> yes. what? how'd your lunch with Rainbow go? It was great.
0: I really enjoyed it. So people... They've heard, heard remember, Rainbow. So Chris is... Uh, rainbow is a guy from New Zealand who's who listens to a lot of podcasts and listens to ours as, as part of his um, routine and, um, and he was in town he was in, he's, he's from s- New Zealand from New Zealand flew here with his girlfriend and a super smart guy had a great cup of coffee with him and his girl and uh, it was super fun I enjoyed it so in, immensely
1: rainbow's been listening since day one he's been listening to your show since before you and I linked up yeah and um, has been sending us feedback all the time and his feedback is incoherent at times. And so you and I make jokes and we've even read them on air just because there's in some of them, the ones that are coherent are profound and like really make, he makes really good points as well. He's very t- intelligent. I know, but I was, I was apprehensive. I, after all these emails for all these years, I'm like, all right, man, this guy could be full on crazy. I'm not sure what to expect. He was the nicest dude ever. I was so glad that we spent time together, and he gave me a bunch of gifts. By the way, I have a bottle of wine for your wife that I was supposed to bring you.
0: Oh, because um, well, he that's gave nice of him.
1: Yeah, he gave me a bunch of bottles of wine and some other stuff, and a T-shirt. I forgot your T-shirt I too. I brought Dang him it. something. Damn. Anyways, He's I was very cool, man.
0: I enjoyed it. He's a great guy. You know, he was on. He probably told you maybe I don't know, but he was. Um, he was sort of a luminary with the international uh, New Zealand surfing team back in I think the '90s. He was like a judge, traveling, you know, coach, mentor type. Really, for, for the Australia, uh, for the New Zealand, the Kiwi national surf team. I didn't know that. Yeah, they went to Japan for the ISAs, and huh. you guys covered a lot of ground. He's dude. very, um, he's a very smart guy. It's totally sort of smart and.
1: I'm so glad we got to meet him. Great knowledge of surf history, too. Yeah. Because I met him here at Shack, and we walked around the museum, and yeah, the guy knows a lot about surf. He has surfing. a great memory. He's remembering totally. shit that I said. I'm like, I That's a remember good, saying that. I do that all the time.
0: <laughs> oh, Lordy. Um, what are you going to do?
1: Well, what do we got to catch up on?
0: A lot. Um, I've
1: got like, emails and stuff. I but did do, too. You, okay. Um,
0: let me look at my Instagram, because there's one that I want to read relating to our last episode. So... Here, I'm pulling it up now and here it is it's from Marcos oh gosh we get no internet connection here <laughs> he brought up some great points here he says hey big fan of spit podcast and all of your other podcasts really happy of you to talk about our lovely country in Portugal this is from Marcos and he, he doesn't write or speak English perfectly, so bear with me. I'm reading directly what he says. Okay. I just have to make a few corrections to you guys. When you talk about the walk, it's not the way to São Domingos. It's the way to Santiago to Compostela. It's not in Portugal. It's in Spain, in Galiza. Really close to Pantene here. They have the WSL here. Jake Marshall is doing it this year. I don't know what that means. It's a place here, the... it's a place where there are the remains of the Apostle St. Tiago, which I'm guessing, I don't know. So, that talk that you and I had about mm-hmm. the way it's the, um, it's this walk from Santiago to Compostela in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the walk that brought Christianity to the area. Mm-hmm. And there are apparently lots of places you can begin this walk from the south of Spain to the Basque Country and from Portugal. There's different ways to eventually end up at the final destination, which is, I think, this place where the Apostle is laid to rest. Uh, Then he goes on to say that Portugal is the second oldest country in the world after Luxembourg. I didn't know that. With the boundaries as we know them from 1297. Um, Magic Quiver... The original was not made from Mario. So is Magic Quiver the name of the lightning bolt store? I'm wondering. No. I'm trying to figure it out. No, I was telling you that Magic
1: Quiver um, is owned by this guy, Mario,
0: who he's talking about, that I linked up with. Oh, that's Who has, right. like, the restaurant, the okay. surf hostel, or the hotel. Okay, so the original Magic Quiver was not made by Mario. The concept was made from two Portuguese friends when they had a trip to Byron Bay. And they had um, difficulty to sell the concept because they were ahead of the time. The store went almost bankrupt. And they sold the store to Mario. Is it Mario or yeah. Mario's? Mario. Mario. And with money, was it was much easier for it to take off. Please, next time you guys come to visit Portugal, it would be my pleasure to show you our country and the spots and take you to the magic spots. Keep up the great job you're doing in Surf We Trust. Thanks, Marcos. Very cool. And then he sent great pictures of recent surf and stuff. So, yeah, just thanks. Thank you very much, Marcos. We're psyched. Good info.
1: Um, I've got one for you that I'd love to get your critical analysis on, Scott. Yes. Adam said, quote, I'm looking forward to the day when the surfing world wakes up and realizes... A spinning Edolo landing in the flats is not radical surfing. It's just stupid stunts. In the heat against Jack Freestone, Edolo was awarded handsomely for his spinning top impressions. Whereas Jack, who performed an alley-oop in the most critical part of the wave and landed into the transition, was underscored. There is an equivalent in skateboarding. YouTube is full of clips showing riders dropping into bowls and performing flips and spins as they fly out and then land on the flat deck it's not that
0: hard to do wow that's really good insight you know and and i tell you i think that we're all constantly sort of trying to play catch up to what's happening and when i say we all i mean the judges and and you and i the consumers of this content um and there's some people that are really hip to it like this guy and probably guys that are closer to it like cote closer to skating yeah closer to what it's all about you know like it's it's You know, it's he brings up a great point. You know, landing in the flats just lame relative to landing in the transition. Well, are they just apples and oranges? I think they're apples and oranges. Like I kind of wanted to agree
1: with what he was saying. Yeah. Except if Idolo... Did that spin and landed at the back of the wave, that would be the equivalent to landing on the deck for the yeah. skateboarder. Yeah, which, yeah, you land on the back of the wave. That's wait, I could do that,
0: you know. So he's landing in the bottom of the bowl, which is really difficult. Like, you break your legs when you do that. Yeah, I do think that landing in the transition is the ideal thing. Like, I think that's the but most it's smoothest. It's the most style. I don't care. I think it's smooth and stylish. And I think you want to be in the wave face. I don't think you want to be down at the bottom of the wave because you lose speed down there. If you land flat in the flats, you, you're all your speed gone. If you land in the transition, you've got some v- vertical momentum to, I know, to but get speed and to do a bottom turn. Often when is landing in the flats, it's the closeout section, so there's no more wave to be ridden anyways. Which brings up another point, you know, and again, I speak from ignorance. I'm not really an expert here, but, you know, if there's no more wave to be ridden anyway, maybe it shouldn't be scored as highly. Like, I want to see that move where you land in the transition and then do three huge hacks and get tubed on the inside and come out and maybe do an alley hoop or whatever. You know, like, like if it's the end if it's if that's all your wave is is like pump down the line and do uh whatever he did I saw it I don't even know what they're called do that move and land in the flats and that's the wave I don't maybe it's a 3.7 not a 6.7 I you know and I think it's difficult for the judges I, I do think it's a hard place for the WSL and for everyone all of us everyone's trying to wrap their heads around what is this new thing you know and how much of it do we just glom on and go, that's the most incredible thing ever. And how much of it do we go, yeah, that's great, but there's more to riding a wave than just that?
1: I, th- I like the direction that Adam's going. I wanna dig in and kinda of analyze it as we move forward, but I don't think surfing is unique in that you can't just say, landing in the transition's harder, full stop, landing in the flats is easier, full stop, because every individual wave you need to be able to assess critically. They're all unique. And and so the 10 that Idolo got in the final against Jordy, it was a closeout. And there was only an opportunity to do, to do one turn. And he did the raddest possible maneuver that we've seen. Anybody at this point in surfing's evolution, that was the pinnacle of what you could do on that section. And so, yeah, he landed in the flats. And yes, it was only one turn, but it is the pinnacle of our sport at this moment, you know.
0: Well, it's, and it is that because it's so difficult. Like, the, the question is, could Jordy do that? And the answer is no. Right. And not very many people can. There might be, like, four people. Like, I don't know. Elo, Gabe, um, Felipe, and maybe Kelly. or no. <laughs> <laughs> Jordy is in the conversation of people who could do it, I would argue. Yeah, but it, and then there's, then there's like, who, who can actually do it with the jersey on when it matters. Like, Elo was doing it, like like it was a bottom turn like it was no yeah. big deal i mean
1: honestly we haven't talked about portugal yet maybe we weren't going to do it today because it's kind of uh not news anymore so i'll just touch on it that is the difference between idolo and everybody else in that moment um is that he has a world title on the line and it's the penultimate event of the season and and he's in the final, and he knows how to stomp a 10 with all those things on the line. Jordy gets up on a wave and surfs it to a 6, as if, as if a title isn't on the line. And that is the difference between who's going to be world champ and who isn't. Jordy, if you're not going to crescendo at the penultimate event in the final, what are you doing?
0: What does penultimate mean?
1: The second to the final. Okay. Yeah.
0: Good work. The final, and then the second. The so you're like the penultimate to
1: me. <laughs> the penultimate <laughs> podcaster. No. We'll so let, we'll let the fans point. weigh like, in on
0: that. That's a good point. You know, like, Jordy, it's, just, it's between his ears, and Elo and seems to be such a free spirit with a jersey on. It just does not matter to him. It's,
1: But I, I was so confused. Jordy, the fir- he got the first wave, and it was like a Midland-sized wave. It wasn't like a real a set wave. He did a floater, a carve and an end-section floater. And I'm thinking, why would you even go on that wave? This is, I mean, this is a world title on the line. You're in a final in Portugal. You know you're not going to beat Idolo with a 6, or with any 6 in your score line. Why would you go? And if you do go, do a flip. You got to, if you go on that wave, you have to get, do something insane. And sure enough, he posts a 6. Idolo was on the very next set wave out the back and posts a 10. Jordi... That was actually the highest score that Jordy got through the heat. He basically laid down after that. It was like, oh, well, Idolo well, got the 10.
0: That's something that I was just thinking about when you were bringing it up, when you were talking about this one, That when you're in a heat with Idolo or Felipe, for that matter, and probably Gabe, and you're Jack Freestone or Chloe Andino or Jordy Smith, you cannot surf from behind. With, In other words, you have to be the first one to lay down the law you have to be the first one to catch the wave and do the most insane aerial thing. You need to let them know that you mean business. Yeah. It seems to me that if they go out there, do a spin, get a 10, and you're sitting on a four, you're just like, oh. I, there's, and now there's all this pressure on you to actually do it. You're a little bit more free-spirited and sprightly when you're the first one to attempt it and go for it because you're kind of like, whatever, let's just go. Yeah. And now, you know, so my point is, those guys have to be the first one to stake claim to, hey, I'm here to do aerials and screw you. Watch me fly. Yeah. And that's, I think, the only way. I think as soon as one of those other guys nails some crazy turn, no, some aerial, it's like dagger in the coffin. Or, not dagger in the coffin? Nail in the coffin. There you go. Thank you. Uh, dagger in the heart. But
1: why even go on the six-point weight? I agree. Like, no, I'm it, just saying it, you not got to go into
0: the heat with what, the mindset that I'm going to do mind- an aerial before he does so an aerial. He,
1: jordy either completely had like a main, uh brain lapse like forgot that he was in a final or just did, had no strategy going into the final i
0: can't speak to his mental state it's always been i think problematic you Yeah, know?
1: i mean it was bizarre
0: yeah does anyway, he have a coach of course he
1: yeah does. well chris gallagher was chris yeah. stone i should say was but now he's doing the olympic thing so hmm. um we i've got, got more oh, yeah well to I, i've
0: got one too go for um it. best coast sent us something to say hey um I just want to let you know that Medina losing in that heat to um, Kyle. Kyle didn't send the world title to pipeline. In fact, it was Filippo Toledo losing Correct. which sent the world title chase to pipeline. Yeah, so, yeah that's I true. I think I might have misspoken.
1: I, I definitely misspoke, but I knew that was true. I just worded it incorrectly. Over. Um, so Renee sent an email saying, Dear David, the analogy that I look at when assessing where wave pools will take us is from rock climbing, another sport that I love. Despite the proliferation of artificial climbing walls in indoor gyms, and the whole circuit, or competition circuit devoted to them, nobody really believes that they can come even close to providing the experience of climbing outdoors on real rock. There are sensations, feelings, sights, and adventures that one experience provides that the other simply doesn't. While numerically, it's likely that at this point, there are more climbers inside than outside, The center of gravity of the world's of the sport's culture, the focus of the highest ambitions, and certainly the photography, film, and writing that surrounds it remain welded or wedded to massive cliffs of granite and limestone, not color coded plastic. End quote.
0: I think that's true, and I don't think that's anything that you and I don't already know and agree with, but um, But we're
1: trying to draw comparisons. And I think that's the best comparison to the wave pool. It's a good one,
0: except that most wave pools, in fact, everyone that I know of is outside. Whereas rock climbing gyms are inside. So you do get a sort of generic kind of air conditioned vibe, which is kind of weird. Whereas at least like at Waco or whatever, these new installations that are coming in, you could actually kind of make some backdrops that make it a little bit not quite as, um, engineering, like an engineering vibe, you know, like you can do, so I think because wave pools are outside, it does, you know, the wind's blowing, the birds are there. There's a little bit more nature than, but it is a good comparison. There's
1: more nature, but it's the most apt comparison I've seen yet. It's a good one.
0: It is a good one for sure. And, and, and we all know that the, the, the epitome, you know, like it's always going to come down to, um, just as El Cap, is, is the climbing culture's, you know, sort of alpha. Um, certainly Piper, Chopo, or these spots are going to be, Jaws, these are going to be the spots that will always capture our imagination because they're just, they're fascinating. Yeah. I ran into Dave Prod, Proden. Did you really? I ran into Dave Proden. Where? Cardiff Reef. No totally way. Totally random, yeah. It was cool. He was just, happened to be down there. He has taken his young son out surfing. But um, he's, I asked him about that Brazilian Storm documentary that I was telling you about that I thought was going to raise a lot of hell, you know? Yeah. And he said that they're not sure when that's going to come out. And the problem is is that this was one of those partnering deals the WSL had with a guy in Brazil, a producer in Brazil. And the producer in Brazil is really the guy that's pulling the, the distribution strings and when this thing will be shown. And so they can't necessarily say when it's going to come out and so my gut feeling is it's probably not going to come out before Hawaii which is unfortunate because mm. it would make for a really good sort of foundational kind of fun place to start before we dive into the Hawaiian season hmm. Yeah, hmm. bummer yeah.
1: are you familiar I don't think we talked about it Kelly Slater's HBO documentary that's coming out next month
0: uh, no I'm not familiar I think is it a WSL thing no HBO thing an
1: HBO documentary. It's called Twenty Four Seven. I think it's a series that they do, uh, but they're he's, doing. They've been one filming one with Kelly, uh, and they're supposed to release it. In I'm not early to, I December. Can kind
0: of tell you what that's going to be like already. I thought that I could until
1: that Sound Waves episode with Kelly. And was that part of it? No, but the Sound Waves episode made me much more interested to, to see what's going on in Kelly's mind, like the the interesting thing about it isn't kelly versus pipeline or kelly versus the brazilian storm it's kelly versus kelly like kelly's in his own head and he's insecure about whether or not he can still you know compete with all of these people where well to you and i it's like dude you've already won 11 world titles you have nothing to prove anymore you're welcome to take your bow at this point and move on, but the fact that he still has these demons well, where he's trying to prove himself is yes, really fascinating. Exactly.
0: You no, know, that's where you nailed it. It's 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 this. Um, when you say, "Oh look, you've got 11 world ties. You have nothing left to prove anymore," then the question is, "Well, then what have I got left to prove?" Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where he has. He's having. I don't want to look. Like, I don't want to say he's having a midlife crisis, but you know we we look at some of these guys that are 33 that drop off the tour and like, God, what are they doing with their lives? You know, and they, there's, it's a struggle. It's a sincere problem for guys that are sort of untrained for the workforce to figure out what to do when you're 33. And I think in some regard, even though Kelly doesn't have those struggles, the same, he has the same sort of anxiety of like, what is chapter two for me? You know, and chapter, I guess 14, whatever the next chapter, what is the next chapter? And, 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 Obviously, everyone goes, oh, well, it's business, you know. Kelly, you've got so many business opportunities, and he does. But I don't think he wants that. I think he wants... All he knows is winning. Well, that is the crux, and that's... We all have
1: recognized... Maybe me more than you have recognized he's already <laughs> aged out. Like, dude, you haven't been winning for five years now. So you're not going to win at your own wave pool that you designed.
0: I don't... You know, here's what's interesting, right? You know what he won in 2016? Chopu. Three years ago, right? Chopu? Is that it? I don't even know if he won Chopu. He won Wave of the Winter. He won Surfline's Wave of the Winter. Mm. It might have even been 2018 or was it 2016? Anyway, it was a couple years ago. I remember that wave. That was an insane insane wave. It was an insane wave. And it was an insane winter for Wave of the Winter entries. Right. It was incredible. And he won Wave of the Winter. Yeah. So he can still win because what's fascinating is that our culture and our content and the way we look at competitions is going more and more towards this. Let's take a big global look at things and then pick which was really the best one yeah. rather than this four hour time frame. Yeah. So I think he needs to look at that and go, you know what? I'm still winning. And I'm saying to you that he still is winning, but maybe not in that construct of that, you know, four day surf contest
1: or a world title over the course of a season. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. So okay. I, I agree with you. He's, unbelievably talented and the best surfer in the world when the waves are big and barreling at a reef break but he's not gonna win a world title again there's no question in my mind about that and the fact that he thinks that that. he does and he's also not even gonna win at surf ranch he's not gonna win at snapper he's not gonna win at france portugal most stops on tour so the fact that he still thinks that he is and he's conflicted about why he can't get more than two eights at surf ranch like, it was a foregone conclusion that Gabriel was going to win that event. For him to be sitting yeah, there... that's
0: a, that's a bad analogy. It's not. I mean, no, it's surf exactly surf, what, use, what Sound Waves was about. Wave. That's what that episode a, was about. But let's use a real wave. I mean, that, that's that's, Dude, a, he, that's an outlier.
1: No. This is the precise conversation, is he's sitting on the exercise bike at Surf Ranch, looking out at the wave, going, am I good enough? And his girlfriend is saying, Kelly, yes, you're good enough. You built this wave. Like, you are good enough. Go out there and, like, have confidence and that's what he's struggling with that's the crux of why this is so interesting to me is that in his head he's still struggling with this thing that is very obvious to everybody on the outside but if you want to have a conversation about where he's the best surfer in the world I agree with you like that I'll have that conversation too and if pipe's pumping he can win that event if Chopu's pumping he can win that event but that's not what makes the documentary interesting, and that's right. not what
0: well, HBO
1: maybe, should be maybe, focusing on.
0: Yeah, we don't know, right? We don't know what the documentary is going to be about. Do we? hopefully do it's you? about no, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. Hopefully well, it's about Kelly's hope, conflict with Kelly. I have confidence in HBO and their production team. I do too. They'll yeah. put out something good. I hope it's not what I think it is, which, which would is be? over, overly controlled, um, you know. Kelly Slater isn't he great like I hope it's more about the it demons yeah than it is about hey everyone Kelly's here let's talk about outer known you know or there's what, you no know. chance that this guy's that. the greatest like we already know he's the greatest you know what we already know he built a wave and we already know he's blah blah you know like what we want to know is what's really what you and I are talking about right now there's what's no, really going
1: on there's no chance that the HBO would do like a flowery I agree yeah and here's by the way even though, I mean, we've spent more time on the podcast discussing Kelly Slater than any other surfer, I'm sure. It's because he's the best. He's the most interesting. This <laughs> is, interesting. I love, the only people that are even worth talking about, really, at length, Kelly, Gabriel, and to a certain degree, John John. But like, Gabriel, because of these uh, these things, it has nothing to do with their surfing. Yeah. It has to do with the fact that Gabriel actually has some passion, and he's fighting for something there's this internal battle that he's having that he has to prove to something like that then gives us hours of content right to Uh, analyze
0: yeah no you're absolutely right and it made me start to think okay who are the most fascinating surfers and in my mind those are the top surfers in the world and it's not the top five necessarily no you know like i think of and i the reason i rolled my eyes when you said john john because he's kind of been off the radar at least off of my radar maybe he's out there i don't know but the most interesting surfers in the world right now are, are um, you know, Gabe's definitely there, right? Um, I think Idolo's there. Idolo's a very interesting guy.
1: Not not so much. I don't know anything about him. He yeah. seems happy.
0: Um, the most interesting surfers in the world, um, probably Albie Layers, probably right there maybe. Um, They're not on tour. I know. Yep. No, I'm just saying who's the most like because to my mind those are the ones that I agree are the are you know the most relevant. So this most is relevant is what I'm talking about.
1: That I agree High with Lenny. you completely. And so this has been a conversation that's come up in a number of um, conversations that I, that I've had recently, which is surfing used to be a lot more interesting when you look back at the era where people weren't making millions of dollars doing it. They worked real jobs and had real struggles in life and didn't spend all year. You know, traveling to the best waves on the planet, and then just surfing those waves once they arrived in that location, they actually struggled. Spent probably most of their time struggling to get to the location. Then got skunked a bunch of the time because they didn't have modern forecasting. And so, characters whether it's Dora or Wayne Lynch or Nat Young, like those people, developed very interesting character. Are you interviewing Nat Young by the way? I already did. Oh, uh, good? Week. It was good, yeah. yeah.
0: He's pretty smart.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he's into politics, and he's in, he's yeah. written a bunch. You know, he well reads spoken. a ton. Yeah. Like, he was a model for Vogue. Like, so yeah. that these here. are compelling yeah. characters right. because they had all of this other um, other inputs into their life. Whereas the modern WCT surfer makes a lot of money. They have all of these handlers around them solving all of the problems, whether it's rental cars, and then their only focus is to show up and spend a bunch of
0: time in the water. They're boring. And then when they do put out this, hey, this is who I am thing, it's just so fake and vanilla and kind of lame. Like, it, it really Who's the most boring? Like let's get a list of like vanilla guys that you're just like, really? I don't even care. I hate to even say or is it. What does that mean? Are we being too mean?
1: It's a little bit mean, and it's not their fault. Yeah. Okay, let's not go there. It's kind of a reflection. Let's talk about the
0: ones that are... Who's the most interesting?
1: So, well, no, I'm going to do the most uninteresting real quick. Because I referenced this recently. What qualifies as personality on the CT now is if you wear a hat. Like, if you wear, like, a full-brim hat that doesn't have your sponsor logo on it, Joe Turpel will reference that for the next six events and be like... He has such cool style, you know, like that qualifies as style or Connor Coffin playing a couple licks on his guitar on Instagram. That becomes, he has so much personality, you know, and I'm not even shaming Connor Coffin, like good on you, like do what you want to do, but that isn't personality. You know what I mean? Personality is Gabe frothing and flipping off the jet. Like he's wearing his emotions on his sleeve. Connor Coffin, it shows that he has an interest, but that's not showcasing his, you know, his his yeah. passion,
0: you know. Yeah, I don't know, he actually. No, that, I think you nailed it. That's an interest he has, a hobby. But we don't know any. We haven't learned anything about his value system, his beliefs. His we just haven't seen parental Ronis. upbringing. We haven't seen. Ron- and that's why Gabe might be the most interesting surfer in the world. Right? Kelly's more interesting. It's Kelly and Gabe, and who else is super interesting? I, get... I don't even know if Kai is interesting. Kai Lenny's just incredible. He's, yeah, but I don't. I I don't necessarily think they put out a lot about. He's a little bit um, overhandled,
1: probably. As probably. Far as, Management. Yeah. I, I get some interest out of uh, Jeremy
0: Flores. I love Jeremy Flores. He should be... They should put out more stuff on him. And when I say they, I mean he should put himself out there because he's great.
1: Jeremy's more interesting than he is a good surfer, in my mind. Yes. I mean, he's Which a phenomenal... He's a phenomenal surfer. I've yeah. just... He's been surfing the exact same way for the last 10 years. Yeah. But he's... I'm always interested to see what he's going to say, you know, or, or just how he's going to get upset in a heat because he will showcase some of that passion.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think of guys that are just that you're just kind of like, it's funny. Cause I was going to say, well, Barton Lynch is pretty interesting. He was at a time. He still is. He's, I mean, he's
1: happy now and content I mean, and he's insightful. You
0: get, you get insight into who he is. Too, yeah. He's
1: part. insightful. Um, I've got one more email if you want to hear it because it dovetails with what we're talking about. Okay. He said, um, listener said, ran a few numbers for the seating round for every event this year, excluding the Freshwater Pro. And the average score for each position is, and the judging, actually, uh, I'm confused. I'm confused. No, I'm confused by his sentence. But he said, first place, this is for the seating round. So, like, the first round. First place average score is 12.36. Second place is 10.49, and third place is 8.43. So the average score for first place in the seeding round is only 12.36. So that means that you watch the entire seeding round, and the average for the first place surfer is a pair of sixes. So he said you can compare that to any round apart from the elimination rounds, and it's heaps lower, which means that they're either surfing in crappy conditions or they don't or they have a lot to lose uh, so they hold back or the surfers ranked 20 to 32 are not in the same league as the top 20 all, Either, all of those things. exactly he's like we need to eliminate the loo- uh, eliminate the losers round one have the field cut to 16 yes or just have more stops at places like Fiji you know good good quality <laughs> waves saying
0: that what what you and I have been professing
1: In the, for years. So the stats prove it out though. Yes. If the elimination round the first round, you get pairs of sixes to win, it's not worth watching. Yeah.
0: And the argument is, oh they fly all the way around the world. They should be able to serve two heats. You know, it's like, no. Nope. <laughs> they shouldn't. They yeah. shouldn't be on tour if they're if Yeah. That's Exactly. Know. Um I have some world title Scenarios. Yep. Are you interested? I am. Okay. I first started this because I'm like, okay, who do I want to win the world title? I looked at the rankings, and I'm like, I looked at them all, and I'm like, who's the American? And it's Kaloe Koloe's number five, right? So, understanding that's where I started, I could give you Kaloe's title scenarios, or I could start with Idolo and just go down. Give me Koloe. So, Kaloe can win the world title this year if he gets first place at Pipe. And Felipe, Jordi, Gabe, and Idolo get a ninth or worse. They all have to get ninth or worse. So this is not gonna happen. We don't know that. I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: we make predictions. You give me the scenarios, I'll make predictions. I would say the percentage of that happening is zero.
0: <laughs> you gotta get On a them,
1: statistical
0: Yeah, like it's gotta be one percent. Nope.
1: It, no, no, it's less than. Statistically
0: no, no. Statistically statistically Seriously, like if you ran numbers, it would probably be like 3%. I'd be less and than. 97%. Gabriel,
1: Gabriel's never not made the quarterfinals.
0: That's why it's 3%. I'm not saying it's 30%. I'm saying it's 3%.
1: And then if you factor that in with those other people not making what they need to make, it's impossible. Felipe, and Gabe,
0: Nidolo need to get a ninth or worse. Yeah. For Kaloi to win. And Kaloi and has to win the whole thing. So Felipe could get ninth or worse. Jordi... Definitely, could
1: definitely could could, ELO less likely and Gabriel impossible.
0: Okay, so Chloe, Chloe can also win the world title if he gets a second place a pipe, and Jordy Gabe and ELO get seventeenth or worse. And if that's the case, Felipe gets ninth. Let's say Jordy Gabe and ELO get a seventeenth or worse. Chloe gets second place in the final. And Felipe gets a ninth place. Felipe and him tie. What do they do in a tie break? Who knows? That's a question for Dave.
1: I know. I forget what happens in the tie break sitch. Uh,
0: But, like, look, reality,
1: Chloe's not even going to make the final at pipe, period.
0: Okay. I'm just giving you, if you're rooting for Chloe, if you're, like, a fan of the North American United States of America and you want the North American United States of America surfer to win the world title, Chloe's your guy. And I'm just giving you those so scenarios. For all you racists out there, this is, your racist. sc-
1: this is your scenario. Are the Olympics racist? Yes, the Olympics are wildly racist. <laughs> oh my God. It's not racist, it's pride and nation. Nationalistic pride. Nationalism. To the point of... Um, Rooting I mean, for the ber- flag. Berating the others and subjugating the others. This starts to sound
0: awfully like <laughs> you are a racist. That's crazy.
1: I, I am. What are you talking about? I'm That's saying I don't even see color. I just want Who the said, best surfer to win. You
0: said the c word. What's the c like word? Color. Can you believe um, you said that? So You're hey, so bad.
1: So why do you have to be like that? Kaloe won't even make the final period. All
0: right. You want me to give you the ELO rundown, which is my I want level. you to do each of them. Okay. Well, Dave only sent me the ELO rundown. If ELO. Ferrari wins. We're going to call him Ferrari. <laughs> Italian Ferrari. They, we Italian, forgot about that. I know. Italo's easier to say. If Idolo wins pipe, he clinches the world title. Done. Period. Period. He's in first going into pipe. He is in first. Yeah, okay. If Idolo gets second, Gabe Medina and Felipe Toledo will need a first place to take the world title from Idolo. So if Gabe or Felipe win and Italo gets second, Italo does not the world title. If Edelow gets a third at pipe, Gabriel needs to get a second. Felipe and Jordan would, Jordy would need a first.
1: Basically, Gabriel needs to do one heat better than
0: Edelow to clinch. I think so. Yeah. If Edelow gets fifth, Gabe needs a third, Felipe a second, Jordy a first. Yeah. If Edelow gets ninth, Gabe needs a fifth, Felipe needs a third, Jordy needs a second, Kaloy and Dino needs a first. Yeah. And if Edelow gets 17th or worse, Gabriel and Felipe will need a ninth Jordi a fifth and Chloe a second So that's kind of what I So basically um, It's a pretty tight race between Those sort of those top three Maybe throw Felipe in there too Felipe is not going to do
1: well at po- I think the odds of him doing well Are already slim but him doing better than those guys Are not That's just not going to happen The wild card
0: um, for me is Elo he seems to be the wild card. I don't see Gabe... We know Gabe's going to do well. Yeah, I don't see no Gabe brainer. giving it up. I think if Gabe doesn't do well, we'd be surprised. And if
1: he doesn't do at least one heat better than Idolo, I'd be shocked. I think this is
0: Gabe's to lose. I could. I agree. Yeah. Totally agree with yeah. that. But it could be Gabe losing in the semis and Idolo advancing, and we have our champion.
1: Yeah. But, so what is the strategy here for the
0: bottom three guys like poison Gabe (laughs) yeah just like get some E. coli and spread it around the night before yeah the night before like really bad poisoning this is a good strategy yeah
1: here's the downside of that strategy yeah the event lasts over multiple days so if they do they poison him on night one
0: no no you poison him like you know before finals day okay yeah, all right. I'm not against this. <laughs> <laughs> um, this,
1: this is, is this horrible. is Edalo's work to do, by the way. Yeah, Edolo. Edolo's Edalo's
0: the one who needs to really right. go Kerrigan style. Get some like get Timmy Patterson to like shuttle the E. coli around. <laughs> knows? How um,
1: <laughs> I've never heard anybody put the emphasis on the coli. E. coli. Yeah. yeah. How do you say? It? I don't, e. coli. E. coli. E. coli. E. coli. It sounds Eat like Dolo an Italian nephew. Ecoli, <laughs> <laughs> fetch the
0: cheese. <laughs> um, how excited okay.
1: are you about the women's race? None. Really? None more or less. You know where it takes place this year? Sunset? Pipe. Wow, that'd be amazing if it did. I Honolulu. Honolua.
0: What? Doesn't it always take place there?
1: Yeah, that's why I was shocked that you didn't know.
0: I, did. I thought you were throwing me a curveball. <laughs>
1: I was. It was disguised. It was a softball disguised as a curveball. No, um, so, Carissa Moore, Lakey Peterson, Caroline Marks. I'll give you the rundown, but who's your call out of those three? Do you know who those I, people are? I, I do,
0: and I like all three of them. Okay, I do, and I don't like necessarily. You know, I think that um, Carissa's the best surfer of them. Lakey's very close. She's incredible. Yeah. Carolyn Marks is a little has a little rough yeah. edge to her style that I'm not necessarily like like if I had a daughter I do have a daughter, and if I was to tell my daughter, Hey, you should emulate this person of those three, it would be either Carissa or Lakey. Yeah. I wouldn't say, Hey, study Carolyn Marks. Now I know Carolyn's Th- sort what of what you almost love about her though is that raw Yeah, she's kinda yeah, she's kinda raw. She's kind of like a young uh Adriano de No. Yeah, when Adriano first Aw. came on tour. It's kind of like square and raw yeah. and a little bit just... Auk is
1: the best comparison, I think. She's not as smooth as Auk. But she's got the same lead foot, full like full power, obviously. I think Damien
0: Hardman's a better example, actually.
1: Like, you're like, I would never want my son to surf like Damien <laughs> Hardman,
0: although he shreds, <laughs> See, and I, I love him. See, I you're Damo. underselling
1: her. I think you're right about Auk and Damo, but I think you're underselling Caroline. I think Caroline is smoother than you've... Acknowledged. Maybe. I just um, in,
0: in in reference to these other two, she's doesn't have as polish. Yeah.
1: So I am shocked that Carissa doesn't just win everything. Me too. She's
0: that much better than me everybody. Too. It's crazy how good she is. And if you frankly, if you came up to me and you go, God, it's amazing, Chris has won the last ten world titles, I'd be like, Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Like, I, winning, I, I yeah. wouldn't blink. I'd be like, Of course she did.
1: I know it's crazy that she has half as many as Stephanie. I think of them as being like equally as accomplished. I know. So, anyways. But Carissa, I think,
0: is more competitively. I don't know what the phrase I want to use. I just think Carissa's. Because Steph is pretty polished competitively. But I don't want to say that She's... Steph's not polished competitively, but Carissa, to me, if you were to put one of the girls on the men's tour, Carissa is the one that would go the furthest. Yeah. I think she is, she's got the and most well-rounded... I don't want well to say rounded. she surfs like a guy, but she carves well, she's, a mean bitch she, in Roundhouse Cutback.
1: And she does airs and stuff. Like, she's got the most well-rounded, and she gets barreled at back door. Like, she's got the most well-rounded game, I'd say, out of any yeah, of the women. Yeah, yeah. But it's also... I think both her and Steph have a lot of holes in their competitive games still. The shocking... The reason why she hasn't won as many as you and I think that she has is because she, she never stumbles competitively. Yeah. yeah, like, why is she even... Why hasn't she already clinched if she's that much better? Um, Here's the rundown at Honolulu. If Carissa finishes equal or higher to both Lakey and Caroline, she wins the title. If Lakey loses before the semifinals, Lakey cannot win the title. If Lakey makes the semifinals, she must finish at least one spot ahead of Carissa to win the title. And then Caroline's role is even harder. If Caroline loses before the final, she can't win. If she makes the final, she must finish at least two spots ahead of Carissa and at least one spot ahead of Lakey. And then if Caroline gets second, Carissa must lose in the semis, Lakey must lose in the semis, and Lakey and Caroline will have a surf-off for the title. So apparently that's what happens
0: when there's a There could be a three-way surf-off. Yeah. According to what Dave sent me. Okay. For the women? Yeah, for the women. Okay. If Carissa gets a fifth, ninth, or seventeenth, Lakey needs a third, and Carolina second to force a three-way surf-off. So that would mean that, um, what's her name? Um, Who's the young gal from Australia? Who's the girl from Australia that would be in the final then? Stephanie, or no, um, maybe Steph, but who's the other one? I'm not sure. Been on the tour forever. Oh, Sally. Yeah, Sally Fitzgibbon. I could see Sally winning this thing. Steph winning it, and we get Carolyn second, Lakey third, Carissa with a fifth, and we have a three-way surf-off. That would be fun. Would it? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. Um, All right, forget it. I'll we'll just watch football that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my. By the way, as we go into this Hawaiian season, I just want to make a point. Okay. And it's something that I saw on Bobby Owens' Instagram. Do you even know who Bobby Owens is? Yeah. Okay. Well, for the listeners out there that don't, let me tell you who Bobby Owens is, according to Matt Warshaw's Encyclopedia of Surfing. Who, by the way, they're having a fun, he's having his November fundraiser, Matt Warshaw. So if you can find it in your heart to throw through a sh- few shekels his way. I wouldn't even find it in your
1: heart. You should just subscribe for three bucks a month. It's a no brainer. We'll
0: do that, but this is like more like a fundraising thing. Like yeah. I threw some shekels their way. But yeah, sign up. How much is a shekel worth? My shekels, or. I don't know. I don't really know. A congenial, freckle-faced Hawaiian pro for Bobby Owens from the North Shore of Oahu, world ranked number 10 in 1982, but best known for his fast and fluid riding on the North Shore of Oahu. Bobby Owens was born in Italy, the son of a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army. I didn't know that. Moved with his family to Oahu in 1966, where he began surfing. Ten years later, he turned professional. Owens placed second in the 1977 prestigious Duke Classic at Sunset Beach. In 1980, he won the Pro-Class Trials, also at Sunset. The Pro-Class Trials used to be the very prestigious event which got you into the main events. And the Quicksilver Bells Beach Trials in Australia. He made the World Tour year-end Top 16 four times, placing 12th in 77, 7th in 78, 12th in 81, and 10th in 82. An unlikely looking surf hero at five foot eight, 140 pounds with chalk white skin and wavy red hair, Owens was nonetheless among the most respected surfers at Sunset Beach in the late 70s and in the 80s, and he was featured in more than a dozen surf movies. So Bobby stated something on his Instagram the other day, which I've said before, you'll, this will sound familiar, but which I think needs to be said again as we head into the Hawaiian season. And that is, I truly believe that an event at Sunset Beach needs to be judged with the full arena uh in the judging criteria and right now what we basically have the event at sunset beach is turned into an event at inside sunset and it needs to be an event that covers the outside west peak at sunset we want to see bobby owen style surfing west lane style surfing Gary Kong, Elkerton style surfing, Rabbit Bartholomew, Michael Ho where their window like rolling down the windshield dropping into massive west peak balls laying down 400 yard bottom turns, carving up high then it goes deep water and they're cutting back to set up what they hope will be the inside section and that type of surfing out there should be rewarded in this day and age and that then would suggest that if you're going to surf in a in a heat out there and you just sit on the inside the most you can get is a 5
1: even if you get a sick
0: barrel. even if you get a sick barrel the most you can get of and that's the way you would have to do it from a judging standpoint to get them to start to inch out to the west peak yeah. and take off like a man like the men used to take off out there like that's what sunset beach is it's not a contest at inside sunset yeah it's a it's a contest at sunset beach all of its glory The incredible Mammoth West Peak, which rolls in for 400 yards, feathering. You think it's going to break, and it doesn't break. It backs off until it hits you, and Al Chapman screams at you, Go, you friggin' kook! And you go, because you're at Sunset Beach. And this needs to be acknowledged by the WSL, by the judging staff, by the world. I hope everyone takes uh, witness to what Bobby Owens said on his Instagram Mm -hmm. and, and likes it and agrees with him. And listens to what you and I are saying now, David, me more than you, and says, yeah, those guys on SPIT are right.
1: I love to argue with you, and I cannot. I fully co-sign everything that you're saying. Yes. Enjoy this moment.
0: I'm going to just, right now, just Soak let's good be in. quiet together.
1: Soak it in. Special. Okay. I'm going to lay, lay wow. in some music. I'm that is eat this. beautiful. Uh, I mean, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I actually forget. Almost, to be honest, I wonder as you say that, if some, um, if we don't pay enough respect to Hawaii anymore, like some attention, for pro surfing at large, there's less weight and focus on Hawaii than I think that there used to be. I feel like everything used to come to this pointy end of the stick and at, almost... Everything else in the season was like a sideshow, just leading into Hawaii during the three months of the year, you know, or a couple of months a of year. Um, it happens for longer than three months, but really the surf media's focus there is for two months. And now it's almost equalized, where we're as equally excited about the, I don't know, Australian leg and Tahiti and the European leg and all these other things that are happening, and then. It doesn't really matter. Sunset's like an afterthought even. pipe still matters, but sunset
0: doesn't really have any weight in gravity anymore. Right? Well, it, I mean it, I mean, one of the 10,000 QS's is there, so it's very, very important, Sunset Beach. from a, sta- from a point standpoint it is,
1: and, and we assers. can
0: get it. See, see, I mentioned the Duke contest earlier in this in this conversation. The Duke contest used to be the most prestigious contest in Hawaii, and somehow or another, we lost it. And I'm saying, let's not lose Sunset Beach. Let's not lose it from our culture. It feels let's, like it is. We need to regain it. And I think guys like Rocky Cannon, who are doing did some of the commentary on the on the um, the uh, the Vans event that was just there. I think some of. The, I think it's it's incumbent upon. The broadcasters to start to bring this up, and and frankly, the judging staff needs to like people like Bobby Owens and Rabbit Bartholomew. People need to go look. This is important. You know what I did today? I I watched the nineteen eighty three sunset no sun kissed World Cup at Sunset Beach on YouTube. Yes, it was actually on Matt's site, the Encyclopedia of Surfing. I watched the, the two semifinals and the final, and it was awesome. Hmm. And they were taking off at massive, big, north swell sunsets, straight howling offshores, late drops, Richard Schmidt, Michael Ho, Wes Lane, Buttons, Kanoa Downing. Keone? No, his his brother, Kanoa. Oh, really? And just ripping. I think it was his brother. And just ripping and setting it Michael Ho, and just setting it up. Rod Kersop, remember that name? There's a name from the past. And setting it up, ripping the outside getting into that fat section cutting back and here it comes and, and there was that moment of oh my god here it comes and bruce jenner caitlin is that her name mm-hmm. was talking with fred hemmings and fred's like okay they're setting up the inside section watch this well you know and sure enough those guys are pulling into beastie inside barrels after doing all the killer stuff
1: on a board like it's hard to find a board that's equipped for both of
0: those things the inside bowl and the outside peak, and and I blame pipe because there's so much attention to, to pipe and getting barreled and pipe pipe is incredible and the whole arena down there is insane, but don't turn Sunset Beach into sh- a shitty backdoor event because yeah. that's what inside Sunset is. I mean, it's a mean, gross. It's a wobbly. It's a powerful. It'll yeah. it'll break your ribs, but I mean, it's it's mean. But if it's just going to turn into a tube riding contest at Inside Sunset, that is not Sunset Beach. That is not what surfing in Hawaii is about. That is not what the North Shore is about. And let's not marginalize it. Right. Let's make Sunset Beach what it's supposed to be and score them I'm accordingly. In. If you're on the inside and only the inside, the most you can get is a five. I'm in. I'm in. Thank you. Now, how do you feel about Haleiwa? I love Haleiwa. That's probably the best. That's such a fun wave to surf. No, but as... As a you as, know, av- as, as a Triple a- Crown venue and an event. I think Haleva... The problem with Holiva is, like many events, there's just so many guys in that thing. Yeah. That you can get... You have to run it, and so they run it in marginal conditions. But is a mean, tough wave to surf. I think it's really a challenging surf- wave competitively. Um, so when it's big, you know, North Swell, or I guess West Swell is a West Swell, but when it's big... Um, it's just gnarly, It's just a gnarly wave, you know? Like Yeah, there's
1: highlight moments. When it's good and big, I enjoy it in the contest. But I don't think it represents nearly as much interest as sunset or pipe.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like, there's moments during the six days or whatever when you're like, okay, it's proper, you know? like it's, Yeah, it's a fun little appetizer for the... It's a gnarly down. wave. I don't think they do a good enough job of, it, of sort of... It's a it, it's a spooky wave. It's it's, it's a wave which you always seem to be struggling to stay in position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big wave world tour news. Yeah, I, I have this. some for you. Let's see. I'll just read straight from the press release. So, David, the official holding period for the WSL's big wave events opened a few days ago, November first, twenty nineteen and it runs through March 31st, 2020. And this big, this this year's big wave season will feature the CBDMD Jaws Big Wave Championship and the Nazare Toe Surfing Challenge, two new events that will showcase the best of big wave surfing in the paddle and toe in disciplines. The Nazare Toe Surfing Challenge presented by Hogo Santa Casa will feature a unique toe team expression session format. 10 two surfer teams will participate Within each team, the competitors will both drive the jet ski and surf, with each participant needing to ride at least two waves. There will be four one-hour heats with five teams per heat. Each team will participate in two heats with a priority system indicating which pair has their preferred choice of incoming waves at any moment. The event will be broadcast live and captured on video from multiple angles. At the conclusion of the competition a nominating panel will examine the video evidence and select the biggest best ridden waves of the day as with a group of big wave judges and will review the nominated rides and places their votes in an assortment of categories so the competitors and the judges decide together who they think wins in the Nazaré Toe Surfing Challenge and of course Jaws the window is open yeah, thoughts
1: interesting, it's kind of Fits with a lot of things that we've been kind of advocating for, suggesting that they do. I guess what I'm really feeling is that I've been trying to make sense of the Big Wave World Tour now for a lot of years, and each year it shifts and adapts, and I'm, my interest is waning. Yeah, you want
0: some continuity.
1: I'm kind of at this point, I'm like, all right, pull it off and show me, and then I'll decide whether I like it or not. Yeah. That's how I feel. I'm almost.
0: If I told you that the Jaws is yellow lit and it's going to probably run on Saturday, would you be excited? I would for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So that that's all that needs, right, yeah. to get your interest. The toe thing, you're I'm like, a okay, lot less. Interested. boil it down and I'll show me a wipeout. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? Now that you're saying it, I'm a lot less interested. If you said the same scenario, there's a tow event on Saturday at Nazare, I'd be like, maybe I'll put it on. Yeah but i will watch the af- i will watch the highlights afterwards
0: oh yeah for sure
1: but the toe thing i mean dude it's they go straight yeah it's not that interesting i know it really isn't and like uh, to a certain degree nazare is a novelty wave to me yeah and i know anybody who's ever surfed it
0: is probably wants to
1: rip my head off for saying that because it is
0: Know, I think from a consumer standpoint, it is a novelty wave. It's a wave where world records are going to be set and show me when they happen, and that's cool. But it's lost some of its eye candy luster because as a tow
1: wave, it has,
0: yeah. As a tow, yeah. And I talked to Jojo Roper the other day, and he was like, It's a great paddle wave competition spot because there's so it's so open ocean, there's so many gnarly peaks coming in all over, you're not all bunched up in sort of one takeoff area, right? But they'll be towing this year, yeah. So So, who's the world champion?
1: So, as I think about it, what is, I already can tell you what the highlight reel from the tow event at Nazare is going to look like, and because I've already seen it a bunch of times, it's kind of like watching a wave from Surf Ranch. As soon as it pops up in my Instagram feed, I scroll right past because I already know what it looks like.
0: Yeah. There are two surfers, only two surfers, David, that are actually in both of these events. Should those two surfers just be the two that we consider the, the big wave world champions? One of those two surfers? We, we've narrowed it down. They've narrowed it down for us. There's only two guys that are in the, both the Nazare event
1: and the Jaws event. So even if they got like last places, they might accumulate more points than somebody they got first place?
0: Well, yeah, between those two yeah. guys, we're going to have a world title.
1: Yeah. Who are the guys?
0: Twiggy. Who do you, who do you think? Twiggy. And?
1: Maybe Greg Long or Billy Kemper. No, Kai Lenny oh, and yeah, Grant yeah.
0: Baker. Those are our two. Those are the two guys in the running for the big wave world title, according to Scott and David. Yeah. yeah. Yes. According to Scott. Another moment of agreement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God! Um, if it was a paddle, if it was a paddle event, I give it to Twiggy.
0: Over well, it's Kyle. both. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah. I know. I'm just saying.
0: Well, anyway, we're not interested. But what is interesting, right, is that this Mavericks thing is also happening, right? So um, I don't know if we talked about this a couple weeks ago. um, Jeff Clark put out a press release basically saying, hey, we're running the Mavericks event. It's going to be a season-long event. We're going to get your clips. You're going to upload them to our site. We're all going to look at them. We're going to have specific categories. And, um, oh, by the way, you have to make it to the channel to even be considered. There's none of this, like, what they call it, take off and inflate, go straight right, and right, inflate right. or whatever. Right, right. So you, so that's interesting too. So a season-long thing where they're going to be giving out awards for the Mavericks championship. Right. Thoughts uh, on Mavericks and I mean, Jeff much, Clark being involved much, again.
1: I love it. I'm much more interested in that event. And I think that's a – he is a, uh, a good kind of, I don't know, a visionary to – allow make some of those bigger decisions that is a correct decision that you have to make it to the channel i think that's progress for the judging criteria so i think good on you and i think that event's much more compelling that wave is much less i don't know what that final wave will look like in the highlight reel from mavericks i cannot predict what is going to be the winning wave and each year out there or each yeah i guess season um there are new boundaries that are broken and set for things crazy things that we haven't seen before, so I'm excited for that one. Good, yeah. What about you? I do
0: am you feel excited the same way. Yep, yeah. I do. I do yeah. feel the same way. It's
1: an exciting wave, scary wave. Um, I don't know if you care about the Olympics at this point anymore, but there's been. I do care eight, about the Olympics. Eight officially qualified surfers. You want a quick rundown? Sure. Uh, Joanne Defay for France. Tatiana Weston Webb for Brazil. Chloe Andino for USA. You want to cheer for that right now?
0: Yay! Yeah.
1: Uh, Kanoa Igarashi for Japan. Jordy Smith for <laughs> South Africa. That sounded like a... Sally Fitzgibbon for Australia. Yay! <laughs> Stephanie Gilmore, also yeah. Australia.
0: Princess Diana.
1: Jeremy Flores for France. Those are the eight. I feel like the Australian women's team has got um, a lot of potential so far. How so? <laughs> Those are, that's a great team. Sally oh. Fitz and oh. Steph.
0: Oh, yeah. Um. So, Rip Curl was sold. Saw this. This is interesting, right? On a couple of different levels. I, I don't know if you saw Mike. Um, how do you say Mike C's last name? I always see Morella. Yeah. So Mike C Morella wrote a pretty cool article on Stab about this, in which he's suggesting that um, we should be thinking about what it means that corporate spreadsheet decision makers now own. The entirety of the surf industry and therefore dictate our culture to us do you believe that to be the case do you believe that now that rip curl sort of the last Patagonia is privately held but rip curl the last sort it's of hold private. still yeah the last now it's publicly held right so bill
1: oh, oh really I think the company that bought it is still a private company Oh, okay but it's
0: not a surf surfer owned company anymore right so, Hurley's being sold to a company. Rip Curl's been sold. His, Mike's basic take was: there's not like salt at the top anymore. There used to be Bob Hurley. There used to be um, Bob McKnight. There used to be, um, you know, Gordon Merchant at Billabong. There used to be Paul Nade. Um, he's with Viscula though. There's some salt there. Anyway, does this concern you at all? Mike seemed to say we should be concerned, and i kind I'm of, con- I'm kind of like, I don't. I don't give a shit. Like, none of that even affects me at all. And he even wrote, you're probably going to say that you don't care, that it doesn't affect you. But I'm here to tell you it will affect you. No. He sort of tried to make an argument that it did. But I'm kind of like, let the whole thing blow up. Who cares?
1: Well, it's not going to blow up. I don't think it's going to blow up. And I don't think... uh, And I think that Mikey presents a reasonable concern. But I'm not concerned because the whole model is entirely different now. We used to care about that because those five companies... Did influence our surf experience. Those companies don't even sponsor CT events that's anymore. That's what he said. He's you like, know,
0: he's like he, he brought so, that up. He's like so none of them even.
1: That's the point. So who cares? Well, like well, they're now just
0: selling clothes. So to now all of the world. Well, the interesting thing there, right, is that it's kind of like Facebook. It's like okay, there's only one real social media platform, and it's the WSL. Like so, our surfing platform now culturally is, is it just the WSL? No, it I isn't. Mean, it's it's not. I agree. I'm just. Yeah, it isn't. And all of the media It's you and me and yeah. it's Surfline and it's podcasts and it's everyone and it's the media... stab and it's 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 Chaz and, and Derek and everyone over there and it's Warshaw and it's it's all been democratized. Yeah.
1: So anybody can create content. There's tons of good content out there. And then also from a funding side, you as the viewer can pick your own path and fund those things and give Matt Warshaw three bucks a month and keep him in business and Go buy Vista product who is investing in, you know, surfboard shapers and surf films
0: and laminators, even and all that sort of stuff. Like, does surf clothes even matter anymore? I mean, I know it hasn't mattered to you and I for a long time, but do you think it'll get to a place where it's like nobody even wants to make clothes anymore because they realize no one's even buying? Like, it's just going to be Vista's going to make wetsuits and trunks, Hurley's going to make wetsuits and trunks, O'Neill's going to make wetsuits and trunks. And really making, like, outerwear. I'm not going to compete with North Face and Columbia and, and Patagonia. I think it matters.
1: People do. People do care. People want to wear a T-shirt from the brand that they have some sentimental attachment to.
0: A T-shirt's one thing. I'm talking about a full clothing line. Like, you, Yeah, I, I think the other stuff matters, too. I mean, to a certain degree. Do you think degree. in 10 years there won't be... What about the idea that in 10 years there won't be... In surf shops, there won't be as much clothing as you might think. It's just going to be board shorts, T-shirts... Maybe wetsuits. so. ...wetsuits. Because, look, you and I are going to buy our... We're going to buy our clothes online. I don't know, dude. I think it goes both
1: ways. I think the middle goes away. I think that, yes, there's mass-produced fast fashion on the one end of the spectrum that's available on the internet and that gets to you tomorrow. It gets delivered tomorrow... And then on the other end, it is artisanal self-expression. And I think that that's true for the foods that you eat and purchase, for the teas that you drink, and for everything, and for clothing and everything else. You know, you get people who want a very curated style, and they're going to go buy the flannel from the company that they care about, or the pants that represent
0: their look and lifestyle. Let me ask you this. I'm... I go into... Uh, a surf shop. Let's say I go into uh, Surfline or Hansen's, or I mean Surf Ride or Hansen's, or um, wherever, San Diego. I go into a surf shop, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going in because I need a new pair of shorts and some pants, or a flannel would be a better thing. I need a flannel. I need a pullover, and I need a pair of shorts. I personally am not like going in there to go buy like say um, Ruka or Salty Crew or Vissla. But I am going to the surf shop to do my shopping. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to support my store. And that's what they carry. And that's cool, that's fine with me, and I'm gonna pick from those. But I'm not necessarily brand loyal, I'm more loyal to the concept of the retailer. You know what I mean? And whatever they put out, I trust that they've got some cool stuff, which they do. Yeah and a wide variety and I'm just gonna grab the one that fits the best and it fits Ruka. It might be a Ruka top and it might be shorts from Vistola or whatever. You know what I mean? Like do you think that's more of the mindset or do you think there truly is this brand loyalty? I I sense that and maybe because I've I've aged out of that but I don't know if there's real brand loyalty. Yeah. It's more retail loyalty. Like I go to buy my clothes at a surf shop because I'm a surfer. Whatever they put out I'm gonna grab the coolest one but I'm not necessarily going you know, like back in the day, I was like, "I'm going to buy Billabong because Aki was night." It's 1986, and Aki's on fire. You,
1: know? you were a lot more subject to uh, advertising at that point, or just um, who's cool in terms of pro surfers. You yeah, know? my like, age. That stuff like the doesn't perfect time influence time. you anymore. I honestly, I can j- only speak for myself. I buy based on fit and um, more the material. Of no, <laughs> material. So it's like I have a pair of jeans, who's I know exact size 32 and this cut and this style is what fits me best and I prefer the feel of and so I just buy that exact pant every time you know and I'll get a pair in black I will get blue yeah. jeans and I'll get the course I'm the
0: same way I have a sort of a set clothing thing that I got um, Patagonia pants there you go shout out I love these pants they're called Venga I've seen you
1: wear them in mustard and I've got them in every color I know they're cool um,
0: mm. I'm worried about my battery dying. Oh, so do you want oh, to, Oh, I've got a mussy moment. Me too. Um, my mussy moment is Kelly Slater and his girlfriend, Kalani Miller at the Kelly Slater surf ranch riding together on one board, pulling into the tube. It's uh, sheer joy on Kalani Miller's face as she pulls into the barrel. Tandem. with, surf with her loved barrel. one tandem in the tube. It's really cool. Put it's a, a it's put a, a great, smile on my face. It's a great moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: It, uh, for all of the ire that I've spewed at surf ranch, in the last year or so it warmed my heart it It warmed the cockles
0: of my heart wow shackles cockles a lot going on (laughs) shackles of my heart yes by the way i've signed up to go to the monkey surf resort okay yeah monkey surf resort made in may i'm going may 2020 i don't want to give the full date but okay monkey surf resort is shout it, out i'm gonna be giving some is shout outs to my bros at the monkey surf resort check it out is it red monkey or is it just monkey monkey surf okay. resort
1: my must-see moment russell Beerkey's uh new edit did you see this no i forget i, the name. I was watching the 1983
0: suncast sunset beach
1: <laughs> yeah. world cup i'm way behind uh i forget the name of it um russell beer new edit you know who that kid is right? oh yeah From I Australia. Love that guy. i'm a big fan it's insane dude There's one wave in particular that he gets at maybe Shipsterns, the greatest wave I've ever seen surfed. I watched it ten times, and I was, I still couldn't wrap my head around it. Did he do an aerial? No, Shipsterns, giant, giant. You know, five uh, ledges, five ledges, and he and it's a massive wave too. It's like a very big wave for Shipsterns, and he free fall drops, and connects at the bottom barely like catches like his rail just barely connects as the lips falling right behind him. And he picks that line. Like he just, it it was, there was no room for error, no room for error yeah on a triple overhead wave, five steps and air drops to the bottom lands. And right. The moment he lands, that's the line that he sticks with. And the, the barrel like breaks right past him. So he barely sneaks in and just sits there getting this crazy barrel the length of it and gets blown out every single moment in it is harrowing and could go on, gone how long is the edit 15 minutes yeah yeah and Craig Anderson was on that, was in the water that day, and he said it's the best wave that he's ever seen surfed. Kelly posted about it on Instagram saying this is mind-blowing. Uh, it is to next this. level. Okay. It is completely next level. Let's put
0: that level. on the um, Spit Podcast Sp- website.
1: Spitpodcast.com is the website. Um, cool. And then my Duke is Davey Van Zeel. Oh, yes. Winning at Sunset, right? Yeah. Yeah. Shout South out. South African. How about that? And, I mean, Jack Robinson got that 10-point ride on inside Sunset, which you think should have been a 5. Uh, but was unreal. Like like there were so many amazing kind of elements of that event, and but Davy Van Ziel had enough wherewithal to win the entire event.
0: Yeah, so. that's cool. That's um, that's kind of cool. Dark horse. By the way, we didn't
1: mention it, but you know whose clothing I do wear? Who's need essentials, baby? Hell yeah, need essentials. Need essentials. By the baby. way, it's that
0: time of year to get a new full suit, and so yeah, and I've people always ask me. Where should I get a wetsuit? It's amazing. I saw, How many people ask me? I
1: saw a guy in the parking lot the other day, and he noticed mine. He goes, dude, is that Neat Central's wetsuit? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm waiting for him to, like, recognize me from the podcast because that's what my ego does. Right. And uh, he never did. Right. I was waiting for him to be like, oh, yeah, I, I heard about this on a podcast or something like that. He never did. But he goes, oh, I got the same exact suit. And it was the back zip. That's what I had on. Yeah. I got the 3-2 back zip. Yeah. I think I prefer the front zip, to be honest, but... I rolled the dice with the back zip, and I, I do like it, but... I need to get a new one for the season. I just don't like that the string from the zipper gets, gets in my one. way, yeah. you
0: know? Um, I tie a hat. I like the back, that that string to tie a hat to.
1: Oh, okay. I tie a hat. The fact that you're even wearing a hat is hilarious to me.
0: You know what's hilarious to me?
1: Is that it's actually the a f- visor? The
0: fact that you're <laughs> going to be behind me in the tube as I'm driving down the line. That
1: is very logical. Uh, likely because I've seen you burn lots of people. I do not so. burn people. I've seen you burn people. No, that's a negative. Um, all right, well, Scott, this was a wonderful show. Is this your next guest? Yep. Just pull up? Who yep. is it? Uh, NVS Fins We're going to record some commercials together.
0: NVS Finns.
1: Naked Vikings Surf Co. Rad.
0: They look like Vikings. You know those guys. Let's yeah. say hi to them. All right, Scott, sign us off. Okay, until next time, this has been a great show, David. I'm thrilled with it. Adios and aloha.